Zoe, life of God. So turn to Mark chapter 16. Y'all love God tonight? Amen. Amen. He is so awesome. I love that song we sang. Oh, marvelous. That's the word it uses. Lord, how marvelous is your name. And you know, I so want to please him. Don't you? And you know, it doesn't embarrass me at all to have to repent. Hallelujah. I hope it doesn't you. God's perfecting that which concerns us. We're not perfect. I figure y'all already figured that out. <laughs> Amen. We figured out y'all weren't. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, there's another uh, uh, verse to that. It's like there is nobody that is. Do you know what I'm saying? You won't find a perfect pastor and you won't find a perfect church member. It'll never happen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I want to walk in love. I really do. And I want to do it not just so, oh, good, my faith will work. Because I'm really walking in love, my faith will work. No, I want to love people. I want to demonstrate the love of God to people. Amen. And it's easy to love people that are acting lovely. Amen. And, you know, really, the Bible says even the heathen can love their own kids. We hadn't done anything when we love our own kids. And you know what? Also, um, without that, the, the God inside of us, the Bible says that the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, we have agape God kind of love inside of us. And we can choose to use it or not. Amen. And there's lots of times that I just don't choose to walk in it, but I could choose to because it's always there and it's always available. Amen. And if I live out of my heart instead of my head, but sometimes in my head, you know, sometimes gets the best of me. If I live out of my heart, I'll love people. If I live out of my head, you know, my head will say, man, you know, we can love Osama bin Laden. You say, no, 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 that's too far. We couldn't love him. Most people don't think they could. But we can out of our heart. Amen? When you realize he's just demon-possessed. Amen? It's just the grace of God. It's not you. Hello. Amen? Grace of God, it's not me. He's just demon-possessed. Demon got a hold of his mind. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, we're, I want to walk in love. I want to choose that part. And I want to do it for the right reason. I want to do it. I want to, I want to let his love flow to people. And the Bible says that that's how they'll know we're Christians. By our love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's, where, that's the truth, isn't it? Hallelujah. So uh, I, want, I want people to be able to tell I'm a Christian because I walk in love. And, I, and we all have to grow in that. And we all have to make choices all the time to walk in love. Amen. And to love people that aren't lovely. To love people that are... And you know, I had the best example in my life. My grandmother was the best example of, walking, of, of loving people. Now, she wasn't perfect... 
And, uh, but, and she, did the, she did a lot of things. I mean, you know, your family always sees your faults better than anybody else does. And so we saw her faults. And, uh, but she loved people. And people knew she loved them. Amen. So uh, 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 I had a good example, and that's what I want to do. Mark chapter 16 says, <clears throat> And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, and it lists a bunch of things that we will do, uh, but the last thing there, and that's the one I want to concentrate on, is they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen? Hallelujah. So we have been given power by Jesus to lay hands on the sick. Amen? And the Bible says they will recover. Hallelujah. Well, uh, <clears throat> we found out last week, and I'm just reviewing for a second, that we are a transmitter. That we're, we're the Holy Ghost Bo bo booster cables. I was trying to say bumper cables, and that didn't make sense. Booster cables. We're Holy Ghost booster cables. Amen. Or we're the hose. And we talked about last week that, that you don't get too excited over the hose. You don't go in your backyard, turn on the water, and say, oh, praise the hose. Isn't the hose wonderful? No. And, you know, God wants us to get out of that because in this last move of God in the earth, there's not going to be any big eyes it's going to be believers laying hands. Believers doing the works of Jesus. This gospel is true, and he said that, if, uh, that you would do greater works than he did. Amen? And we need to get a hold of that and begin to realize that Zoe life is in us, that there's something being transmitted out of us, and he wants us to start believing it, and he wants us to start acting on it. Amen? And knowing, uh, just just getting out there and acting on it and leaving leaving the 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 doing of it up to him, hallelujah. And so uh, we've got something there. We got something on the inside of us. We've got the Zoe life. Turn over to First uh, John chapter four, verse nine. We I, I I don't I'm not really teaching. I could go through all the scriptures on the Zoe life of God, and we could do that sometime. But that's not really what I'm teaching on. But when I talk about that there's something flowing out of us, that's what I'm talking about. Now, when the word life is used in the New Testament, the Greek word for that word life is zoe. And it means uh, life as God has it. And if you write in your Bible, it'd be real good when you see the word life to write zoe because if you don't, sometimes we get confused and we just think it means like you'll live. Like, for instance, in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We interpret that to mean, well, everlasting life in heaven. You know, we're going to live forever. But you you were going to live forever before Jesus. You was going to live forever in hell, but you were going to live forever. You, every being, every human being on this earth is already an eternal creature. Amen. But it's not talking about, it's talking about everlasting Zoe. Everlasting, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to ever die physically. You will die physically. Jesus tarries. You're not probably going to live much past 120 years old. Amen. You could live that long. 
You could, you know, you could get in faith and you could live that long, but it's talking about everlasting Zoe, everlasting life as God has it. And then in 1 John there where you turned, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. That right there is Zoe. That we might have Zoe through Him. He said that's the purpose Jesus came for. That's why God manifested His Son into the world, was that we might have Zoe. That we might live through Him, have Zoe through Him. You've got Zoe on the inside of you. I could take you to a lot more scriptures. But you've got something on the inside of you. And the purpose for me tonight is not to tell you, to teach you about that Zoe life. You can study that out for yourself. Some of you have even listened to some of Pastor Buzzy's stuff on that. But what my purpose is here tonight is to talk about that when we lay hands on people, that something is transmitted. It's not just an act of faith. It's not just a point of contact. You know, it's not just something to help them release their faith. It's not just an encouragement. I personally, now this is just my personal preference, don't like to, when, when we say, okay, let's lay hands on each other, I don't like to see somebody just take somebody's hand like that. Because I don't think they are really catching I want to either lay my hand on their head or I want to lay my hand somewhere on, you know, where their spirit. And I know that men and women, we have to be discreet. Amen. But I tell you, I've, something is transmitted. I used to watch Mark and Janet Brzee minister. And I know y'all have seen this too. And they'd be going down the line laying hands on people. And, uh, you know, it'd be a big meeting, lots of people. And uh, they'd lay their hands. Uh, let me just use Chris for an example. And I would, Mark and Janet would be praying for people together. And he would lay his hand on your head, his head. But if he didn't feel like they were getting the transmission that they needed to get, I've seen Janet come up and put her hand right there. And the power of God, that's, it's like something about it. And see, I don't think people, and you know, sometimes we're bashful about laying hands on. And I do think we should be discreet. Men, you need to be careful where you lay hands on a woman. Amen. And women need to be careful where they lay hands on a man. I mean, you know, we need to be wise. Hallelujah. But the top of the head is usually always appropriate. <laughs> Amen. That's a good place. And that kind of covers the whole body, doesn't it? And go in the head and just shoot out their feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. But something's transmitted. And I don't think we've known that. And you know what? You know, we need to be receivers too. We need to be good receivers. When somebody comes to lay hands on us, whether it's the front of the church or wherever, we need to be kind of like, we're, we need to have put a draw on that anointing by faith and be conscious that I'm, now God, I'm receiving this. I'm taking it in. And, and you know, sometimes, and Brother Hagen talks about this, sometimes people are like laying a hand on a doorknob. They're not letting anything in. Some people throw a wall up and they just they won't let anything go in. No, you've got to open up your heart. And you've got to believe something's coming in. Amen? And you've got to yield to that power that's coming in. Amen? Hallelujah. I've, I've been there before when I thought, now nah, I don't want to fall out tonight. Y'all ever decide you don't want to? You know, I, 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 when I, it's in front of a big church, that's when I never want to. 
you know. And I always like our ushers. We got good ushers. They treat me right. But it's like I have seen ushers drag me practically across the floor, you know, and just like... <laughs> and you know, God is just not so... He is not concerned with our pride, really. I mean, I've been in a meeting before when, you know, when I got through, <clears throat> and there was no carpet in this meeting, and it was a Holy Ghost meeting, and literally I mopped the whole floor from the back to the front of the church with my dress. I was on one side for a while and on the other side for a while. I just was, you know, God was moving in that meeting. I know Myron Leanne remember that meeting. I mopped the floor. I did. And, <laughs> but God's not concerned with that. But I tell you what, you know, my life was eternally changed in that meeting. And sometimes we're not believing that something's coming out. Now I want you to go over to Malachi chapter 4. <clears throat> See how much comes through the pipe depends a lot on you. The, the person that lay, lays hands um, <clears throat> needs to believe that they're a transmitter. And they need to believe that something's flowing through them. But you can draw a lot more through them than they really are. Amen? You can draw a bunch through a, a good Holy Ghost pipe. You can draw a bunch of God's power. And the Bible says it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. So the more anointing I can get flowing into me, the more things are going to get broken off of me. The more... Uh, the, the more the presence of God is going to come into me. And the Bible says that we are changed in the presence of a holy God. And you know, sometimes we are, we're like looking for God to change instead of realizing it's us that needs to change. We're saying, oh, you know, no, 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 I, I don't need the anointing. You know, I don't, I don't need the anointing. I just need you, God, to do something for me financially. No, that's not it. And sometimes instead of trying to get the move of God in our life, we're trying to move God with our faith. And He's already done everything He's going to do. He's already been, he's already been um, what do you call it? Uh, he, he, he's already been merciful. He's already been moved with compassion. He was so moved with compassion that He sent Jesus to pay the full price for poverty, Hallelujah. for sickness, for death. And he's already done all that he's going to do. It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. And he is sitting down. You don't sit down till you're through. He's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. And the next time he stands up to do anything, he's going to appear in the clouds. Amen. So we're not moving God. We're just getting ourselves in a place. And we're getting ourselves in a place to believe. We're getting our place self in a place to think right. How many of you have ever been thinking wrong? I mean, we all have. I can tell you that, that everything that we're dealing with tonight is just how we're thinking and how we're able to believe, to what level we're able to believe. Everything that we're dealing with tonight. The devil's not a problem. It's not, you're not, so, so, so see, sometimes we're either wanting to move God or we're trying to get the devil out of the way. If I could just get the devil out of my life. Well, the devil's already been dealt with. The Bible says that Jesus defeated him, made a show of him openly. The devil knows he's defeated. His defeat has to be enforced by us. We have to enforce his defeat. Amen. So, so 
all of it depends on me. And so I need more. I need as much anointing to flow into me as many times as possible. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I, need, I, I, I need the anointing in my life. Amen. So I need to be believing for it and making a pull on it. Amen. And be familiar with it. And I also need to be a transmitter of it into other people. Realizing that I'm a Holy Ghost pipeline. I'm a transmitter. Amen. And you know what? You know, God's not withholding. He's not withholding anything. You say, well, I don't know if God wants to heal them. Yeah, He does. And He'll transmit the anointing even if they don't receive it. Amen. Amen. That's right. You know, Pastor Buzzy uh, talked about in one of his tapes, and I think I've read it in something too, and I don't, I don't think I, I may not have the whole story down, but I've got enough of it to give you the point. But uh, he talked about uh, that um, there were, you know, because he, he talks about praying the glory down, and, you know, he's talking about praying until the anointing falls and flows. And so uh, he'd talk about that, praying the anointing down and the anointing falling. And, and, um, uh, and he, he talked about a man, you know, the anointing would fall on him, he'd get healed. And then he'd go, uh, he'd go he, he called it uh, waste the anointing. He, and he said this, this is what Pastor Buzzy said about him, said he couldn't hold a charge. See, we got to get where we can hold the anointing, where we can hold a charge. Because I can bring you in here, and Pastor and I, we can pray, and we can get charged up in a service, but you got to go out of here and hold the charge. Amen? And so that's something to consider. Turn, you're in Malachi chapter 4. Look in verse 2. But unto you... No, I need to read that. Now, who's got an Amplified Bible? Let me borrow it. Well, you may have to read it if it's little print. No, I think I can do this. But unto you who rever and worshipfully fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings and his beams. And you shall go forth and gamble like calves released from the stall and leap for joy. Healing in his beams. You got a beam coming out of you when you lay hands on the sick. There's a beam coming out. You've got a laser beam of Zoe life that flows out of you. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I just wonder, you know, do y'all do this? We do this. Where you just when you're, you get in the bed at night. And, you know, we don't do it every night, but we do it a lot. Where I'll just roll over and lay my hands on my husband. And just say, I just release the Zoe life of God into you. You know, and he'll do that sometimes. He'll just release the Zoe life of God. Because, see, we got healing. And we got a beam flowing out of us. And we've got, we've got the anointing, you know, flowing. It, it, and it, it only flows when we release it with faith. We got to believe it. We gotta, and you can't believe something you don't know about. So that's why we're teaching on it. But once you know about it, you can believe, and then you can release it. And you can, you can release it into your children. Amen? 
Now, when my children were littler, now we, Colin was about three or four when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, so we didn't know nothing for that. And I promise you, as when he is a baby, I had a standing appointment at the pediatrician every Monday morning. And it was not easy. It was 60 miles away. And it wasn't him. It was his crazy mother. <laughs> you know, I just overreacted to everything. But, you know, he had some problems. He had some allergies and some so forths at that point. <laughs> and then we got filled with the Spirit while I began to, uh, uh, you know, start believing God for some things. And then Eric, I was a lot smarter when I got him because I was already baptized in the Holy Ghost and we believe in God. But yet and still, and I know you're like this too, as a young mother filled with the Spirit and knowing about healing, you know, it's just like, I'm busy, I work, I worked at Christian school, I worked at the church, uh, actually I did both for the while, working Christian school five days a week, still keep all the church books, plus you know the laundry and just all the stuff you've got to do as a mom, and the cooking and all that, and it's just like, when somebody started having a fever or a runny nose, it's like, God, I do not have time for this, I don't want to deal with this. Amen. And it's like, I'm in a hurry. Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for healing him. Now, come on, come on, let's get in the car. We gotta go, we gotta go, come on. You know, <laughs> you know, and just not really pressing in. Amen. Do you know what I'm saying? Did y'all ever do that? Get in a hurry and and I just just didn't want to face it, just didn't want to deal with it. And uh, but I I, I kind of learned. Brother Hagen taught us that uh, you know, that when his kids would get sick, and of course you know he tells the stories, that I think he spent $16 birthing Pat or something. Like he got two kids, Ken Hagen Jr. and Pat. That's the girl. And I don't know, I can't remember. How much did he cost? Anyway, that's, not, that's irrelevant. But he spent $16 getting her birthed in the world. He ain't never spent another penny on them physically, medically since then. Isn't that correct? I mean, he's never spent a penny since their birth. Does anybody know this but me? Hallelujah. Okay, I know this. Okay, I mean, never. And, you know, I didn't have this attitude. He said, you know, his kids would get sick and uh, get symptoms. And he would go in their room and he would say, Now, Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to see the power of God. Now, I bet you, you don't do that. Go in there. Thank you, Lord. This is a wonderful opportunity to see the power of God in action. I bet you don't do that when you get symptoms. Anybody want to raise their hand and say, I do? Huh? Thank you, Lord. This is such an opportunity. No, we don't do that. And you know, he said, I just, you know, he'd just get down by their bed. And he'd begin to praise God. And you know, he didn't, I noticed, and this ministered to me, he didn't get in any big hurry. He might even stay there three or four hours. But you know, I was always sleepy. So let's just give him some uh, Benadryl. Let's just hook up the vaporizer and see if we can't get some sleep in this house. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes it took us three or four days, you know. You know, we're Christians, we're believing for healing, 
The world gets over it in five days, and we got over it in four. <laughs> Not just getting the results. Do you all see what I'm meaning? Not pressing. Not pressing in. That I have got the Zoe life of God flowing out of me. And bless God, this stuff is real. And it is tangible. And it makes a difference. Amen. Now, I, I did, you know, I would also say here. You know, we had some Willie George tapes back then, you know, where Willie George was teaching children on faith. Pug that in a tape player. Here, you listen to this for about two hours, you know? <laughs> you know? Huh? What did you say? <laughs> Get well so he could quit listening to the tapes. <laughs> no, he liked them. I wish we still had them. We gave those things away and they don't make them anymore. Amen. But just pressing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. That you've got something flowing out of you, family. And it's not just for you to lay hands on the world. And you're supposed to be doing that. It, that. You know, in Mark 16 there, it says, Go ye into all the world. We're supposed to be out there laying hands on the world, being a demonstration, showing forth the gospel. We read that last week where we don't just preach the gospel, but we show it. We show the good news. Amen. And God will demonstrate Himself to people. I know we had a Bible study, and, and this girlfriend of mine... You know, we started our, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost and we started our Bible study. And I had worked with her at the Carbon Black plant in uh, Seagraves. And uh, she called me one day and she was telling me all her problems, all about her son's allergies. And uh, he, her son was about two years younger than Colin. And she said, and I said, well, I don't know, but i tell you what I would do if I was you. And she answered real quick. She said, what, go get allergy tests? I said, no, I'd get him prayed for. That stunned her. She'd never heard that before. And I said, you know, something's happened to us recently. We got baptized in the Holy Ghost on January 1st, spoke in tongues. And I said, we're having Bible study at our house every Thursday night. If you want to come, you're welcome. If you want to bring him, we'll pray for him. I guarantee you she was there Thursday night. Not only did we pray for Brandon, but she got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Yeah. Amen. Well, the next, I don't know, she started coming every Thursday night. Well, then her husband came. Well, he was not, you know, he was stiff in all this. Well, uh, one night, you know, because we have to end of our Bible study. And you got to understand, there was no church back then to go to. So we're having Bible study in our home. We're fellowshipping on the Word, fellowshipping in the Spirit in the home. And the Baptist deacons are driving up and down the street to see what we're doing while we're having it. And then, because we're in the Baptist church, they began to send a deacon every Thursday night to send in on the Bible study. They're checking up on us. Amen? It's been interesting. Life, and it's not like that anymore. There's not that kind of persecution anymore. But I tell you, it got hairy, you know, back in those days. 
And so, so Roger comes, and Roger's kind of the bashful type, and Linda's one of those kind, Michael always says about Linda, she breathes through her ears. She, she does not pause to breathe. She talks so much. Huh? You know, she does not breathe through her nose. She talks all the time and, and breathes through her ears. That's what he always said about her. And she's still that way to this day. And... Uh, <laughs> But anyway, she just spoke up and said, Roger's back is bothering him. Y'all pray for him. Well, Roger was like, would you shut up, woman? You know, he, you could tell it was all over him. So, you know, and you know, so we prayed for him and God healed him, even though he didn't want to be prayed for and he really didn't want to be healed. See, go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, and he'll show He'll demonstrate the gospel. So we're, this, this, stuff works for, this stuff works for the world, and we're supposed to be demonstrating it out there. And this stuff will work for uh, uh, baby Christians too. Amen? And it'll work for mature Christians if they hook up with you. See, there comes a time when I need to start believing, okay, when you lay hands on me, something's going to come through you. And I believe I receive. When you lay hands on me, I will receive. Amen? So I'm hooking my faith up, and you know, I'm getting your help. I'm getting your help, but I'm not leaving it all up to your faith. And there's a time of maturity when that has to come. So it works there. But this stuff wasn't just put inside of you for that. This stuff is put inside of you for your children. Amen. And you know, uh, when they're babies and they're not hooking up with you in faith, and with, all, with your faith, you can get them healed. And then as they get a little older, it's not hard to get them schooled a little bit in faith and get them believing with you. Don't let them lay there like a lump on a log on the couch watching a cartoon. Get them in faith with you. Amen. It may, you may have to show them a little bit of stuff in the Word. Not, I mean, you don't have to teach a long hour complicated lesson on divine healing. But, but you can show them how Jesus bore sickness for them. And I tell you what else, when your kids get up, and there's only kids in the whole auditorium, so I can get to pick on them tonight, I guess. But when they get up those ages right there, you need to take them over to Ephesians chapter 5. And you need to say, now look here. It says, children... Honor thy father and mother in the Lord. Well, let's look at it, okay? I might not quote it right, and besides, you need to see it. I'm talking to you about getting your kids healed. And this is one of the most important things about getting your kids healed. The anointing doesn't flow very good in disobedience. In you, if you're being disobedient to God, the anointing's not going to flow good into your body. But look at this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy, first, thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So you can take them over there, and you can say, Now look here. The Bible says that if you will honor your father and mother and that if you will obey us, it'll be well with you. In other words, you'll be well in every area. A lot of times when children are sick, they're sick because why? Because they hadn't been obeying. Opens the door for the devil to let your children disobey you. 
So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta teach them to obey you. And you know, there's a time, there's a period of time when that's painful to you and to you and your heart, depending on how mercy oriented you are. Now, I'm not a mercy motivated person. You probably already noticed that. Noticed that. I'm, I am prophecy prophetically oriented. And prophetically oriented people, right's right, wrong's wrong, there's no gray, there's no in-between. Y'all know about people like that. Mercy is, you know, oh well. And there is a time for mercy, and God put mercy in some people, and we need both kinds in the body of Christ. But if you're mercy motivated, the Bible, you know, then you need to put on a disciplinary part and you've got to do it because if you don't you'll ruin your child now us that are prophecy we need to by an act of faith put on mercy sometimes amen amen, <laughs> amen. we do we got to put on mercy sometimes and if we walk in the spirit we will but I don't I tell you what the Lord told me when I was raising my kids because I, 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 I had to pray a lot about it because I was very authoritative. Nobody, my kids never did wonder what their parent, their mom wanted them to do. They never had to wonder. And uh, I prayed about it a lot, and I prayed about discipline and things like that. And the Lord spoke to me, and He said, "You can't give a kid too much discipline, not punishment, not beating, not abuse." But you can't give a kid too much discipline if you give them lots and lots of love. Where you get out of balance is where there's lots of discipline, but not a lot of love. And I'm talking about affection, hugs, kisses, I love you. You know, you can't discipline them too much when you're giving that too. Amen? And so we got to keep we got to to keep our children well. They've got to be obedient, and we can take them over there, and you know. To, and I'm talking about getting them healed and letting the life of God flow out of you, the Zoe life of God, into little children, children that are uh, not old enough to get it by themselves. And you can ask them, and bring a child to repentance. You never leave a child to repent on their own. They won't do it. Now, I used to, I had to learn this. Because you tell a five-year-old, now you go to your room and you repent. He's going to go to his room and play with his Hot Wheels. He is not going to talk to God and repent. So when you want a child to repent, you know how you get him to repent? And you should always get your child to repent when they've just been disobedient to you. Otherwise, a load of sin will build up in their heart. And you, and, and you should get them to repent after you use the paddle on them. You use the paddle and then you lead them in repentance. And you say, you make them pray with you. Dear Jesus, I disobeyed my mama. I started the car in the driveway and she told me I wasn't supposed to or whatever they did. And they didn't do that, so I was trying to think of something they didn't do. I don't think they did it, at least. <laughs> They may have. I find out new things all the time that they did. Anyway, I ask you to forgive me. And then you say amen. And then after you do that, you tell them, Jesus forgave you. You're forgiven. And you know what else? Mama forgives you too. Or daddy forgives you too. 
And you know what? They're clean. They'll feel so good. And you know, when my kids started acting really bad, I mean, you know, my mom used to call it, he's cru she's cruising for a bruising. Now, I probably, that's not probably good to say anymore. But in, in the olden days, that's what, you know what? That means you're asking for it. You know what I'm saying? When my kids got to being like that, you know what I knew? They already had a load of sin in their heart. That's when your kids start acting bad, they've already been bad. They've already sinned. They need to get a load off of sin. A lot of parents don't know this and they don't lead their kids in repentance. And we used to lead our kids in repentance. We used to lead the kids in Christian school in repentance. I'm telling you, they love it. We would take those little girls, those little boys in Christian school and bring them back and have to paddle them from cheating a lot of times. Every kid will cheat. Why? Adamic nature. Nobody is exempt. Nobody was exempt in the learning center, in the learning center of Christian school, every kid would cheat. But us teachers, listen, we knew every way there was to cheat in our school. We already knew. We caught them every time. <laughs> I, I, should, I, nearly, I need to say that because I'm not sure we caught them every time. Uh, but every kid will try it. Every kid will cheat. And uh, we'd bring those little kids back there in our Christian school, and we would talk, okay, now look here, what you did. And this is, this you cheated, right? And so we would, okay, now you're going to get the paddle, and you're going to get two swats, and we'd have the witness and all that kind of stuff. So whap, whap, you know. And then we would say, okay, now you need to repent. And ask, tell Jesus you're sorry that you cheated. And so they'd pray the prayer. And then I'd say, well, now Jesus forgives you, and I forgive you. And we always loved them then. After we whipped them, and, you know, we always loved them. And, you know, they got where just as soon as they had finished praying, they just fall over in your arms. They wanted to get to the love part, you know. And then, of course, in the Christian school, you sent a note to the parents, and you told them. And that's one thing I loved about that Christian school. I don't know if all Christian schools do that, but the parents always knew every discipline. Unlike public school, where three years later I found out he got paddled in first grade. Because he didn't come home and tell me. I mean, you tell your kid, if you ever get paddled at school, you're getting another one when you get home. Do you think they're going to come home and tell you? <laughs> if the teacher doesn't tell, they're not telling. Amen. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. So we're... Uh, um, we're, we're teaching how to get your children healed. And, you know, took a little side journey there, but you won't get the life of God to flow out of you. You've got to get their heart right. Amen? You've got to get them back over in obedience to you. Amen? I mean, it's true whether we like it or not. That's why. Listen, child training is not something you can do in 20 minutes a day. It's the hardest job you'll ever do. It's all day, every day, until they're 18. And sometimes it's worse than that. <laughs> and you know, sometimes, oh yeah, we want another baby. We got six, but we want another one. A lot of people just like that squishy, cute smell and feel, and they don't want to train a child for 18 years. And so they grow up by the hair of their head. They're running up and down the street. They're little hoodlums. They're heathens. I mean, you know what I'm saying. 
because nobody's training them. This is work, folks. Amen. Don't have them if you don't want to train them. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Now this also, we're going to go to another level now, getting your children healed. But this Zoe life that's in you is also to get you healed and walking in health. So this tangible substance that's in us is for the world, for baby Christians, for other believers that we can get mutually in faith with. Amen. And also then for the um, for our children. And there reaches a stage where our children, of course all of ours are there now, where I can't get them healed on my faith, but I can mix my faith with theirs. And, you know, Eric lives in my house. He's still under my authority because he lives in my house. He lives in my house. He's eating my groceries. He's using electricity. He's using gas. He's sleeping. He's taking up square footage. And I'm making a point here, but he falls under my authority, so I have a certain amount of authority in his life that I don't have under Culver Collins' life because Colin has moved out. He is completely self-supporting. Eric thinks he is sometimes, but he's not. Because he, I'm not charging him room and board, and he sleeps there at night. Now, I'm not trying to make, I'm just, I'm making a point to you. Because a lot of parents don't know where their authority begins and ends. And as long as he's taking up square footage eating my groceries without paying room and board, he has to do what I say. Of course, I'm not putting laws on him that I put on him when he was five. I'm not even putting laws on him I put on him when he was 16. I'm not putting laws on him I put on him when he was still in high school. But he's not living in my house and not go to church. He's not living in my house and bringing anything illegal or sinful into my house. And there is no room in my house off limits to me You know, you hear these kids on TV, well, you violated my privacy. You went through my drawers. Is it sitting in my house? See, parents don't know where their authority begins and ends. And you know, it's real hard when you try to start throwing that around at 19, but if you'll make that real plain at 5 and 4, and you just make it plain from the beginning, you won't have any problems when they get 19. They know the rules. They know the setup. And you know what? If you make it, you know, they won't even want to. Amen? But if one ever did just challenge or stray or do anything like that, you know, they know. And we need to, and these are things that keep our children well. And they keep the anointing in our house. And they keep the good hand of God upon our house. And God, God take His blessing away if you don't take your authority. You don't let no demon spirit come into your house with your kids. And you don't let... You, they play the music that you approve of. And if they're not, it's because you allowed it. It's because you let it happen. And you probably, you know, it's all probably through ignorance or whatever. Okay, now we're in, we're in Romans. We're going to get to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and we're not going to be here all night. But it says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. 
So this tangible substance on the inside of you is supposed to be quickening your mortal body, and it'll do that if you will, uh, by faith, release that. The Zoe life of God is in me. Bless God, the Zoe life of God in me is going to every organ of my body, quickening my mortal body. Amen? So the rich translation, and I wrote this in my Bible because it was so rich. The rich translation says, it will revel- does, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall revolutionize your whole physical, psychological being. It'll turn your whole life around. That doesn't happen all in one day. But the Zoe life of God never quits working in you. Never quits revolutionizing your whole physical and psychological being. Amen. And it also says in the Greek that if the same spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall impregnate your bodies with the radiation of life. This is Holy Ghost radiation. And there are no side effects. No bad side effects. There are side effects. But there are no bad side effects. No bad side effects. The radiation of life. So, you know, you ought to lay hands on yourself. I just lay hands on myself. I thank you the anointing of God is flowing into my body. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, all of this, and this is what I was wanting to get to tonight, but it took me forever to get there. But all of this is predicated on one thing. Believing. Why does this not already happening in us? Because we didn't either didn't know to believe or haven't activated our believing system. Hadn't activated it. Just believing. You say, well, it can't be that easy. Well, it is. The whole thing is just believing. The whole thing from beginning to end is just believing. Romans 10, verse 13. We'll just turn over a couple of pages and I'll, I'll just show you how the whole thing starts with believing. Romans 10, verse 13. So, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sozoed. Sozoed, meaning redeemed. And it means not only uh, salvation, but it has the connotation of healing, deliverance, uh, uh, prosperity, protection, sozoed. He that believeth on whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be sozoed. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, they have to do. They have to believe, don't they? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? They can't believe without hearing. Amen. And how shall they hear without a preacher? See, you're important. You've been given a ministry. Every believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are a preacher. Not every believer has been given a pulpit ministry, but every believer has been given a ministry to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. That just means share the gospel. Put the gospel out. Put the good news out. Don't put condemnation out. Put the good news out. 
Don't try to, now you know, if, you, if, you'll, if you'd quit living like that and quit going to the bars, God would heal you. You don't ever clean fish before you catch them. You catch fish and then clean them. We catch fish and then God cleans them. God didn't start cleaning me up. You know, God didn't, te- didn't deal me with me about days of our life. Until he didn't, he didn't say a word to me about days of our life until he got me on the hook. And even then, he didn't condemn me about days of our life. He changed my want to. And he opened my eyes and I went, ugh, that's yucky. He didn't deal with me about, you know, I was the worthy matron in Eastern Star. And my grandmother, see, she already had light. She was already filled with the Holy Ghost, and I invited her and all my relatives, and they came to watch me be installed, is what they call it. And, uh, and you, know, you know, you make formals, and you have dresses. We had formal dresses, and the worthy matron picks the fabric, and everybody's dressed alike, and, oh, it's just really fancy. And they bring you gifts, and, and you know, my grandmother was like, mm, flittering about it, because, oh, you know that stuff. But, you know, God didn't say a word. And see, we didn't have any, we didn't know it wasn't, in Seagraves, it wasn't really a big evil thing. I know in the higher ups, there's some evil, but it was not a big evil thing. I mean, I picked out Christian songs and we, you know, we played Christian songs and sang and everything. And God didn't deal with me about that till he got me on the hook. And then he didn't have to even condemn me. All of a sudden one day, because you know, in, in the Eastern Star, the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, well, I mean, in the Masons, the president type thing is called the worshipful master. And you know, just the light came on and I went, worshipful master? Jesus is the worshipful master and we're calling that man worshipful master? And you know, light went on and nobody had to condemn me. Nobody even had to tell me. My grandmother didn't have to say a word. Nobody had to tell me. Light, the light came on. Amen. God will catch the fish first. So you just go, all you have to do is go with good news. God wants to heal you. God wants to help you with that problem. God wants to, God wants to heal you. Will everybody receive it? Probably not. But you bore the good news. Their blood's not on your hands. Amen? And I guarantee you, you'll catch more fish than you lose. You'll catch more than you lose. Amen? And those that you think you lost will have a seed planted in their heart. And I don't count them as lost. I keep thinking that seed's going to come up. Don't y'all? So it's all beginning. It begins with the believing And it's all predicated on believing. It must be believed. This Zoe life in you must be believed to be activated. Must be believed. You gotta believe you got something in you. You gotta believe that something flows out of you. And let me give you one more scripture and we'll close. I promise. Uh, John eleven forty. We'll close with this one. John eleven forty. Because this is what messes up a lot of people. A lot of people that would make great believers. A lot of people that would make great believers get messed up about this. Jesus said unto her, talking to uh, Martha, 
in concerning, you know, Lazarus was dead and so forth. Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And I could take you to a bunch more scriptures, but I promised you this was the last one. But believing always comes before seeing. Always. In every situation. Believing always comes before seeing. So you got to believe something's flowing out of you or you will never see anything. You got to believe something flows out of you when you don't feel a thing, when the people you pray for don't feel a thing. And how many stories does Brother Hagen tell about people that got their got hand, he laid hands on? Uh, I mean, severe cases of of crippled children and stuff. And five days later, because the parent was wise enough to keep on believing, or what Brother Hagen says, keep the switch of faith turned on. Five days later, something changed have drastic change in their life. See, but in every situation, in healing, in finances, in salvation, in baptism of the Holy Ghost, in every situation, believing always comes before seeing. And most Christians get messed up right there. They want to see. They have Thomas' faith. Thomas said, unless I see what I will not believe. He made a choice. Unless I see, I will not believe. It'll never work. We saw a Catholic church recently called St. Thomas Catholic Church. We both said, oh, how awful. The doubter, who you never heard another thing about, again, in the whole New Testament. We named our church after the doubter? Wow. Anybody can be a saint. Well, they are. We are all saints. They should have called it St. Michael. Oh, well, or, yeah, Michael's an angel, so, or whatever. Anyway, uh, but believing always comes before seeing. Always. Always. Believing always comes first. So you've got to believe that something is coming out of you. Now, there's a lot of places where unless, like in church, where if they didn't have tongue interpretation in that church, they don't believe God moved. God wants us to believe. Now I'm going to close with this little thought, but you know, we pray for the glory all the time. We need to believe it's already here. We need to believe before we see manifestations of the glory. See, I talk to God and I say, God, I want to see the glory. Well, what did he say? If you will believe, what? You will see. He would have to be a liar for me not to, if I'm believing, for me not to see manifestations of his glory. But I'm telling him, oh, God, I want to see. God, I want to see the cloud of glory. I want to see the glory dust. I've seen the gold dust, but I want to see it again. And I want to see it in this church. Amen. I'm always telling God, I want to see. But what do we have to do in this church? We have to believe we already have the glory. And you know what? We already do. But we got to believe it and quit waiting for manifestations. Because God would do us an inservice, a disservice if He were to give us manifestations before we believed. Why? Because it would mess us up for next time. And we would think, oh, nobody can get healed unless there's glory dust. 
Nobody can get healed unless a cloud rolls in from the back. No, he wants us to believe. He wants us to believe there's no way life flowing out of us. And people get healed. We don't care if they fall down. That's not a sign of nothing. Sometimes, it, you know, it's, it's not a sign of anything. It happens, it don't happen. We don't care. Amen. And if we believe, we will see in his timing when he knows that we believe without seeing. See, we got to believe before we see. Y'all got that, didn't you? Everybody got that. Amen. And if we believe, he said, did I not say, you will see the glory. Amen. And it's the same with your finances. If you believe, you will see. You may not have seen yet, but you will see. And in your body, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. God would have to be a liar for you to believe and not see. You're just in the time lapse. You're in the walk of faith. Hallelujah. Let's stand up together. So when you lay hands on somebody, you believe that something went into them. Always something went into them.